Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the final update of the week before we get stuck into the weekend matches. Niall will have a fresh episode of The Dugout for you on Friday afternoon, looking ahead to the weekend's matches with former Premier League stars Dean Hammond and Trevor Stephen in attendance. Two individuals on today's podcast with far more modest footballing CVs, though. Marley Anderson and Steve McNaughton. How you doing, boys? That's uh, another another slide dig on the uh, on the intros there. I'm chalking these up, mate. You know, I'm not sure that's really a dig saying you've got a less of a footballing CV than two people who have played top level football in the Premier League. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's don't particularly that. offensive. I do know that, <laughs> right? And to be fair, I, I've absolutely knackered my finger. I was playing football last night and I've sprained or broke my finger somehow. I managed Ooh. to run into a guy um, with my hand neither stretched out or clenched, um, so I've kind of like just jammed my hand on his shoulder <laughs> and Ooh. now my finger doesn't work. The perils of five aside. Good to have Steve McNaughton back on the podcast as well. You've been at uni recently, Steve. Yeah. How's it gone? Freshers week? Um, yeah, it's been like an out-of-body experience. Um, <laughs> you know, the oldest guy on campus. Um, and what was quite interesting is we had on the first day, we had two um, fire alarms, so we had to be evacuated. And um, I was looking round as all the, you know, me and my fellow students were stood outside the car park at Manchester Met. And uh, I thought, I'm the only bald guy here. <laughs> <laughs> have you um, had a kebab for breakfast yet that you can no, finish man, the night before? Well, Jim, Jim, Have, have you woken on. up with a traffic cone? Are you, are you doing tuned, uni life in Jim. any way properly? <laughs> exactly, Jim, you know what I'm like, you know what I mean? I don't do any of that stuff. I'm you know, well into me kind of like uh, keeping on top of stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> Steve, did you look around, look around at everyone in that queue and just go, I could choke out every single one of you if I needed to? Uh, I didn't, but I'll do that on Monday. <laughs> right, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about heading the ball because there's calls for it to be completely removed from football. Undoubtedly, a good move in terms of health, but would it change the game just too much? We're also going to be taking a look at Gareth Southgate's England squad as he prepares for the next round of World Cup qualifiers with some notable exclusions and some imp- and some surprising inclusions. But let's start with the Europa League. Three Premier League teams in action last night, and one of them was Tottenham, who actually weren't involved in the Europa League. They were involved in that weird 
Europa Conference League. But it was Spurs versus NS Mura. 5-1 win for Spurs in the end. Harry Kane knocking in a hat-trick in the second half. I think he's the first player to ever... Well, he is the first player to ever score a hat-trick in the Europa Conference League because it's only existed this season. So it's not that much of an accolade. Could this be just what Spurs and Kane need to start firing this season? He's not scored a Premier League goal yet, I don't think, this season. Spurs have been disappointing. It was... NS Mura, they are a minnow of European football, but sometimes is that what you need, Marley, to get up and firing, or should this result be taken with a huge pinch of salt because of the opposition? Uh, both, really. Um, I think strikers, especially more than more than most, feed on on confidence and goals, and it doesn't really matter who you score against. You are always going to take confidence from it, but you do have to uh, remember that this is the team that are currently fourth in the Slovenian league. Um, right now so they're not exactly uh, a, a great team so yeah you have to take it with a pinch of salt and, and put it into a little bit of context but you know he hasn't scored in the Premier League yet and if you're scoring in midweek it's going to give you more confidence slightly more confidence going into those games because I think all all he's done this season is score in the uh, in the European competitions I think he scored a couple against uh, was it Pacos Ferreira or Whoever they played in the in the qualifying round for for the game um, for the conference league, sorry, but yeah, it's um, yeah, a little bit of confidence taken, but it's it'll be brought into reality when the defenders can actually defend when when they play on uh, Sunday. Should it set off more alarm bells than celebration fanfares, Steve? Because it took. Tottenham to bring on Harry Kane to get the job done. They were 2-1 up at the time so it wasn't like they weren't winning but they certainly weren't doing anything to impress and it was Harry Kane coming up on the hour-long mark that really turned things around but they're, I mean, they're, that's a team that Spurs should be dominating without the presence of Harry Kane. Absolutely yeah you know it's a it's a joke of a competition that, that Tottenham are in and you know if they don't win that there's something very very wrong but the quality of opposition is so poor they the gaps there last night for Tottenham to exploit um, were just staggering. Um, and you could see the very kind of clear difference in quality. Um, I think, you know, Tottenham will have to kind of thump everyone in that competition all the way to winning it. And um, that then might kind of satisfy a few people. Um, it'd be a bit of silverware for them. But oh, I don't know with Spurs at the minute. It's just. I'd love it if they did an open top bus parade after winning the Europa Conference. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of them with Tottenham. Started the season great. You know, suddenly Nuno's gotten fired and they lose three games, uh, including a diabolical performance against Arsenal. And it's back to being Spurs, isn't it? And it's just really frustrating. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think what we should talk about is um, is Mora's goal last night. What a hit that was! Um, but I think yeah. It's for it's just routine for Tottenham that you know they've used Harry Kane sparingly and they've got the job done against very very poor opposition. Is there any sign that there are improvements at Spurs? I heard an interesting theory the other day. They were talking about the poor form of Harry Kane affecting the squad, but it not necessarily being to Harry Kane having his head turned by City. More to do with the players around Harry Kane who have seen him being let down by the upper echelons of the club and Daniel Levy going back on what was described at the time as a gentleman's agreement that he can leave. And then you've suddenly got a squad of players going, well, if he's being forced to stay, what does that say about our future? Because if that is the issue at Spurs, it's not just about Nuno Espirito Santo making a tactical impact on this team, Marley. It's about a whole squad ethos that needs to be overturned. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the problem. I don't think... 
I don't know how you how you do that. Um, it's probably something that takes a few managers in a row to to sort out. Like it's not something you can sort out overnight. It's something that's ingrained and and really hard to to start to turn around sort of thing. So yeah, Nuno's Nuno's got his work cut out massively. Um, I think the squad's not that good. Um, and I think the squad is is believes it believes what happens in the last game like if they win a game in the premier league if they you know they win three games in a row in the at the start of the season i thought they all believed their own hype a little bit and were like oh yes yeah, is you know we'll, we'll be all right everyone's writing us off we'll be fine we've got kane to come back properly um and we'll be all right and then you know three defeats and an absolute disaster in that first half against arsenal and everything's doom and gloom again but that's just sort of the jekyll and hyde that is spurs these days so that needs to be sorted out, but how you do that, I've got no idea. Um, and it's whatever it, whatever the situation is to clear that that problem. It's not an overnight fix, so this could be uh, this could drag on for Spurs. I think still finally a win for Spurs, even if it comes in the Europa Conference. Less can be said for Leicester City, who lost one nil to Legia Warsaw last night in what's been described as a famous win in Poland for the home team. Defeat for Leicester, it puts them bottom of Group C, Steve, without a win in Europa. It's not going well in the Premier League at the moment. At some point soon, if these results continue, is Brendan Rodgers going to start to feel legitimately under pressure? Or has he got enough credit with Leicester City to kind of see him through whatever happens this season? I think he's got enough in the bank with him, to be honest, Jim. Um, I think he's done enough. I think, you know, obviously winning the FA Cup you know, gets him a certain amount of um, uh, flex, should we say. But I think, you know, Leicester, again, they're, they're a real Jekyll and Hyde team. You know, I don't think they've, you know, started the season particularly well, um, in all honesty, you know. Um, and I think, you know, they've been on the wrong end of the, some results in the in the Europa. Um, I'm not quite sure what the issue is um, with them at the minute. I think the... You don't. You seem to have the uh, the energy levels that a Leicester team has um, or is known for, um, and there's you know Casper Michael obviously is doing a great job at the minute. You know he kept a minute last night, and um, you know but Sionchu is having an absolute nightmare this season. He, he you know he's been really really poor this season, and I think you know with the injury to Fafana, you know that 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 you know kind of big miss that burden on his shoulders to. To kind of pick up the you know um, even more of the defensive work and and I don't think he's coping with it but lo- I mean I think Leicester is something like thirteenth or fourteenth in the league as well aren't they so it's it's not good at the minute but I think Leicester will will probably try and play the way out of it um, you know but they do need to kind of really start you know picking up some results soon um, I think but Brendan's the man I think you know I don't think he's any in any danger uh, anytime soon I think you know even if they were in this position. Probably March next year, it'll probably still be okay. And that, but um, yeah, it's surprising to see Leicester in the shape that they're in at the minute. Defensively, they have looked weak this season at times. The midfield hasn't really been ticking, but last night, Marley, it was up front where they seem to be really lacking. No cutting edge. Obviously, they didn't have Iniacho, who he didn't travel travel during due to the paperwork issues that we talked about yesterday. They were left with Dakar up front on his own. I mean, do they have enough? going forward, Leicester City, to do well this season, be it in the Europa or the Premier League, because Dakar hasn't found the net yet, even though he came to Leicester with huge expectation. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm starting to wonder about Dakar a little bit. 
Um, I think he was one of them players who had a YouTube reel to to stack up with anyone, and everyone everyone who thinks they know, you know, European football, oh, he's, he's this mint little striker, and he's, he's done relatively nothing since he's been at Leicester. Um, I know he might need time to settle in and stuff, but you know, you pay you pay decent money for him, and you you sort of expect more, especially, you know, you don't want to be in a position where you're Leicester, where you have to bring on Jamie Vardy in every game twice a week at 34 years old. We know he's a freak of nature with his the fact that he's so quick and plays the way he does at his age. But you still don't want to be relying on him twice a week um, and saying, oh, you know, Jamie, we're not winning in, in Poland. Can you come and help us out and come on for half an hour and change a game for us? Cause... It's the same situation as Spurs, isn't it? You don't want to rely on your star players. You don't want to bring on Harry Kane. You don't want to bring on Jamie Vardy because you want them fresh for your Premier League campaign. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's... <laughs> Leicester have done that for a while, but also Leicester last season found other ways to win. Like Ian Acho went went through a, you know, a, a, a spell where he was probably the best striker in the league at one point. Um, the the amount of goals he was scoring and the form he was in, and then, you know, they were chipping in with goals. Harvey Barnes, Tielemans was getting a couple. Perez and and people like that were doing it, and they just haven't really clicked yet this season. So so I think with with Leicester, they 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 need to click. Basically, they need to. Just something just needs to get them going because at the minute they're just not doing it and uh, they need to sort it out pretty quick because, you know, this can't drag on for, for something which ultimately ruins their season. Two games into the Europa League, one point that was against Napoli in the opener. They were fairly lucky to get that point at the time. I think the chances of qualification, they're not. it's not out of the question that Leicester City will get to the knockout stages at the moment, but they've certainly made that job a little bit more challenging. You can't say the same for West Ham. Two games, two win. West Ham 2, Rapid Vienna 0 last night. Another very professional performance from West Ham, Steve, which still sticks in my throat to say that a little bit. I'm not used to seeing West Ham put in professional performances, but it's becoming a little bit of a hallmark of their Europa League season so far, even though we're only two games in. Should West Ham fans be starting to get a bit excited now? Is there a potential that actually they could go on and if not win it, certainly get through to the latter deeper stages, like the semi-finals maybe? I mean, Genk next, next two games are against Genk, in fact. You kind of fancy them to win that and that's qualification from the group done. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic to see um, West Ham doing so well in the Europa League. Um, We've always said while we've been doing this podcast that you know, West Ham are a a very big football club. Um, you know, steeped in history, um, plenty of legends in the past. Um, they've got a stadium that that, that they fill. You know, regularly. Um, you know, they're getting sixty thousand people in up there. Um, you know, really good fan base. And what was missing? <coughs> excuse me. What was missing was the um, the, the European football and, and and the challenge in it across Europe. And they seem to be having that now, and they're in they're in a group where it's when they got that group on paper, you thought, oof, might be a bit tricky that, and you know, um, with Genk, you know, Zagreb and and, and Rapid Vienna, um, but they're just ticking the games off. The atmosphere was incredible last night in the in, in, you know in the stadium. Um, West Ham played really good football, and um, yes, they had to wait you know till injury time for Ben Rama to you know to pop up with that goal, um, but they're just getting it done. There's a real um, workmanlike quality about West Ham this season where they're just turning up at games and getting it done and very reminiscent of of 
David Moyes' Everton team, you know, back in the day, um, you know, where, I mean, he got them into Champions League football, I think, once, didn't he? I mean, I know he didn't get through the qualifiers. Sorry to mention Villarreal, lads. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, the West Ham are, are going about the business and, you know, and they're, 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 you know, they're doing it in style and I think it's great. And, you know, and I think West Ham will, will smash that group. Um, and you just never know, do you? You know, if, you, if the draw's kind enough to you, in the knockout stages, I mean, what they want to obviously avoid is is some of the big guns out of the Champions League, you know, dropping into it and, and, and coming in because that might be a bit more of a difficult task. But West Ham have got no fear in the competition. They're just playing the football and they've got nothing to prove in it. There's no pressure because it's obviously, you know, the first bit of European football for a, for a while. Um, so I, I think they'll just enjoy it and I think they'll get to the knockout stages. You know, potentially I think they could do the quarterfinals, mate. As a West Ham fan, delighted with the way the team performed last night because I was looking at the 11 and going, there aren't many players here that anyone in the top 10 would cherry pick to go into their squad. With the exception of maybe Declan Rice and Mikel Antonio, there's not a huge amount of what you'd call talent in that West Ham team. It's kind of a, one of those situations that was that we saw with Everton, that greater than the sum of their, their parts. Do you know what I mean, Marley? I'm not being disrespectful to the players that are there. They're just... Then you you can't imagine Arsenal, for example, looking at that West Ham team last night, that eleven, and going, "Well, five of them would improve our first team squad." Well, maybe that's Arsenal's problem because five of them probably definitely would. <laughs> um, I kind of know what you mean. I just think it's it's typical West Ham fan um, sort of like attitude that they're doing as best as they ever have, and you've gone, "Oh, well, none of them are getting a top another top ten team." Um, it was a, it was a really it was like seven changes I think to what we class as our first eleven last night. Yeah. So it wasn't it's not like the it's not like the even I think David Moyes would admit that isn't the strongest team he could have put out. Yeah, but that's that's the beauty of playing in the Europa League. You don't play another amazing amazing team. You know, Rapid weren't weren't much to be honest. I think um, they didn't really cause many problems, did they? And it was it was professional from West Ham. This is what is impressing me about them. I expected them to struggle on um, two games a week. I expected them to have a really poor season this year. I thought yesterday might uh, yesterday uh, last season might have been a bit of a uh, a bit of a fluke almost because you know everything went well for them. Then Lingard came in, and then this season they didn't get Lingard, and they you know they they only signed quite late in the window. I thought that might be. A sort of recipe for disaster, but they're, they're they're playing brilliantly every week. I mean, the win against Leeds was fantastic. Kept going right to the end, got the winner. That's that's stuff big clubs do, like big top six, top seven, top eight clubs. That, that's what they do. And West Ham are doing that week on week now. We're making the Europa League group stages look easy, as you should, as a English um, Premier League team. There was some trouble outside the game afterwards. West Ham fans and Vienna fans clashing, violent clashing. Um, we're quite quick in this country to point fingers at other countries, particularly when we see issues in Eastern European countries with violence and racism, go, oh, look at them. That's terrible behaviour. But then we see this happening on our own doorstep. Do we actually need to take a step back here, Steve, and try and tackle what seems to be a growing issue of racism and a growing issue of hooliganism creeping back into the English game before we start casting accusations and looking badly on those issues that are happening in other parts of Europe. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we're, we're like like you say, people in glass houses and all that. Um, you know, when we, we need to, you know, get our own house in order before we start looking at, um, you know, other people. I think, you know, there were scenes not too, you know, in the not too distant past where it wasn't there, which were, 
absolutely appalling. I mean, everyone can you know understand what I'm referring to back in July, um, and I just think that it's just something I, I, I just don't understand it. I can't get my head round it. I don't know what is to be gained from it. Uh, I don't know what the motivation is, um, and I don't know why you know there's the complete disregard for potential consequences around it. You know, it's just something. I, I, you know, I just don't don't understand, and um, you know, I think I'd love to kind of chat with with one of those people and just go, you know, why why do you do these things, you know, and get a bit of insight into what the thought process is in it because it's just it's just nuts, mate. It's very very sad, and you know, it's um, it's a bit demoralising as well. Like, and I, you know, and I think you know we, we we've got a real challenge on our hands. I think we want to attract the next generation of football fans teams like West Ham particularly who have this big stadium who want to attract a new generation they want people to bring their kids they want to be a West Ham family and I'd never take that kind of thing just puts me off I've got an eight-year-old it just puts me off taking my eight-year-old to football it, it's it, it's I find it really sickening and really disappointing particularly when it's my club that are involved in the situation uh, we're going to Spend our focus next on England because Gareth Southgate has announced his England squad for the October World Cup qualifiers. Some potentially surprising inclusions and some potentially surprising exclusions from that squad. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. We're talking England now on Football Social Daily. Gareth Southgate has announced his England team for the October Games. World Cup qualifiers versus Andorra on Saturday the 9th of October and Hungary on Tuesday the 12th of October. The headlines are no Bellingham, no Chilwell, no Abraham or no Danny Ings. Tamori, Watkins and Lingard all included in that squad. What did you make of this when you saw it, Marley, when you saw the players that Southgate has decided to take with him? The right calls in terms of personnel or were you surprised by a few of the inclusions slash exclusions? I thought it was a bit weird, to be honest. I thought, uh, I'm not sure what Ollie Watkins has done this season that makes him a better choice than Danny Ings. Um, I think outside Harry Kane, Danny Ings is probably the best finisher in England. Um, uh, Sorry, English finisher. Um, so I thought he should have gone, especially after the way he started this season. Um, I think he's got three or four goals already. Watkins, I don't think, has scored yet. Um, Abraham's having a cracking start to his life at Roma. Um, I think he's got six. Um, in in Italy right now, so I thought he should he should have been back in because I think he couldn't be um a genuine sort of backup slash alternative to Kane. Um, when everyone's fit, um. And then I, I was obviously not surprised by Chilwell because he hasn't played for for Chelsea. Um, that that's a, a weird decision in itself, but that's Tuchel's uh, Tuchel's problem. Um, and then we've I'm glad, just glad to see Tomori come back in. I think he's been he's been excellent for AC Milan in most uh, from from what people are saying. And when you see him, he looks he he always looked like an impressive defender to me. Um, and he's he's proving that by getting back in the squad now and. I thought he got overlooked for the Euros. I think Mings and Cody are, are nowhere near his, his level of talent, especially Cody. But I think like Southgate likes Cody because of his, his personality around the place and his leadership and his professionalism, which is kind of understandable. So 
I felt like the squad is is more about guys who he knows aren't going to let him down and haven't done anything wrong in the past, so they're in again. Um, and that tends to be a theme of what Southgate goes for these days. Do you think there'll be players, Marley, looking at Tamori and going, well, this is what happens when you're a fringe player at the likes of Chelsea or Man City or whoever it is, one of those young players who isn't really getting game time. You make that move, you get first-team football, and suddenly you're in the England squad. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's also another way of of thinking about it. Of abroad is an option because you've got Tamori in there, you've got Abraham in there. Um, I think last well, season. No, you haven't got Abraham, have you? Uh, sorry, Abraham <laughs> on the. <laughs> sorry, Abraham he should, should be, be in, in there. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was there was uh, who went there last season? Someone went to Italy last season. Was it Smalling? Yeah, Chris, Chris Smalling had a had a cracking. Um, time there and and you know got a permanent move to Roma off the back of it and stuff and there was talks of him coming back into England squad but maybe his his time has has run now with him getting a bit older but it's you know it's it's an option you know don't sit waiting for to break through a, a first team look at look at Tino Livramento at Southampton this season he's been fantastic um and he cost them somewhat like 15 million quid and he got through as Chelsea's youth team player of the year looked at Reese James and Azpilicueta in front of him and said, I'm not going to get a game over them. I'm going to go play every week for Southampton. And this is what t- uh, players need to do now, especially in that that sort of um, embryonic start of their career where you've got to get that first breakthrough. If that comes at a bottom half Premier League team, if you're good enough, you'll easily get snapped up by a better one. So, you know, fair play to them. Same could be said for Conor Gallagher, uh, who's on loan at Palace at the moment from Chelsea. I mean, he's going to have a big decision to make at the end of this season, whether he continues his development at Chelsea or whether he looks for that. Yeah, first Joe Willock as well. Yeah, completely. In terms of the players that Southgate has picked here, Steve, Marley says that Southgate has picked a team that, from his point of view, he knows he can rely on. He knows that aren't going to let him down, which maybe explains the inclusion of Jesse Lingard, which is a bit of a shock considering the bit part he's played for Manchester United over this season so far since he finished his loan at West Ham. But also, potentially, if you were Jude Bellingham, you'd be looking at that going, well, hang on, I've done all right so far. Why am I suddenly left out? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, he has, and he's, he's made another decent start to the season over in Dortmund, hasn't he? And uh, I don't know, I just think it's, I think out of Southgate, um, you know, just forgetting all the progress that we've made as you know with the England team over the last few years, I think he makes some bizarre decisions. I'm going to be honest. I think he, you know, um, there's not really, you know, to me, the average man on the street, massive amount of logic behind it. Um, you know, I mean, he's come out and said that Jaden Sancho shouldn't be in the England squad on current form, um, but he's in there, and you know, and then it's just. <laughs> It's just like, um, if he shouldn't be in the England squad on current form, give the place to someone else because we've got plenty of players who can come in, you know what I mean? Um, And then Jude Bellingham, who is in decent form for Dortmund and he's scored in the Champions League and stuff like that, he he sits out his time. And I think Jude Bellingham is is, is one of the most exciting young footballers in the world. Um, Him, you know, Pedri, you know, Ansu Fati, um, you know, pe- people like that have, uh, you know, have, have really are going to be the next generation of you know superstars, and 
I just don't understand him being left out, to be fair. And um, you'd start him against Jim, Andorra, wouldn't you? Because I mean, he's yeah, not he's not going to displace Phillips or Rice. That's fair enough. But when you're playing an opposition like Andorra, it's an opportunity in a competitive game to try something else out, to make some changes, to give someone like Jude Bellingham ninety minutes. Exactly that. You know, I couldn't agree more with Jim, and I just think it it's bizarre and it's a. Uh, Real head scratcher, um, but I don't think Gareth's going to ever change the way that he does things. Um, and we've just got to kind of suck it up and go along for the ride, you know what I mean? What about Aaron Ramsdale, Marley? He could get his first cap He as a England, well, not number one, but certainly in goal. Has he proved that he is up to England's standards yet after two relegations in two seasons with Bournemouth and Sheffield United? Didn't have, I mean, he's conceded a few for Arsenal, but he's not been particularly... He's, he's, he's certainly good against Spurs at the weekend. Do you think he deserves to be in that team? Could he potentially be an England number one in the future? Uh, he, he could be because England don't have that many goalkeepers at their disposal to choose from. So he's always going to get in the squad. You know, if if you take one of them goalkeepers out of the squad, like now, who's going to come in for them? Like, it's it's slim pickings. You might even have to dip into the championship. Maybe Carl Darlow at Newcastle, and he's he's nothing nothing special, really. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not... I don't know. I, I think Ramsdale's one of them players who's going to keep getting chances whether you think he's decent or not. I He's, he's an OK keeper. Um, I just don't think... He was was worth the the money, and um, and I don't think he's obviously better than Burnt Leno. That's a, that's the only thing. But he's there now, and he, he seems to have got the shirt for the last couple of weeks. He's doing okay. Uh, he's another one of them goalies that I I don't like when he makes a save and he absolutely screams at his defence. I mean, the one at the weekend where he tipped um, he tipped that shot onto the crossbar, didn't he? From I think it was Lucas, um, and. Nobody did anything wrong really in that situation. Like the 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 shot was blocked, and he made this incredible save because it was deflected. Um, and then he he saved it, like looked around, and then he he almost got a, a, like a case of the Pickfords. He just went mad at the first person near him and screamed <laughs> at him. Just adrenaline, I think. Isn't it? Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, shot him down or something." But the guy blocked the shot. It was just a freak deflection that nearly took it in, and it, it just wound me up again. So. I'm just not sure about his his character. I don't know whether it's just me not not sort of warming to him, but mm. he's always going to get chances. And as long as he's playing for Arsenal, he's definitely going to be in that England squad every every three months. So fair play to him. You know, crack on. As I said before, I like to see England managers try new things out with these games, particularly against the smaller nations like Andorra. Hungary will be a bit more competitive. But with that in mind, if you could make one wild card swap with Southgate's England squad. So you can drop one player out and bring someone else in, whoever you like, probably not Bert Leno, but whoever else you want to bring in is fine. Who would it be, Steve? Um, I'm just quickly trying to get the England squad up. (laughs) 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 Just to kind of see who I can... Steve's going to say Curtis Jones. I am going to say Curtis Jones, (laughs) um, because I think Curtis Jones is in in fantastic form at the minute. Um, Scored an absolute worldie against uh, Brentford at the weekend. And um, and I think he's a lad who's who's playing with lots of confidence at the minute. Um, alternatively, um, bar an injury, I would have said Harvey Elliott, who who'd made a great start to the season um, and was starting for Liverpool in the Premier League and you know regularly. Um, I think he played four games in the Premier League. In terms of um, who I, I probably would have dropped, it probably would have been Jesse Lingard. 
Um, you know, and I would have put uh, Curtis Jones in um, on the back of Harvey Elliott picking up that nasty injury. I feel like Southgate's almost trying to make it up for Jesse Lingard for not taking him to the Euros. Kind of <laughs> like, well, you probably should have been in that, so I'll include you in a few more now. Yeah. Who would you go for, Marley? <laughs> Sorry about not taking to the Euros. Do you want to play against Andorra on a cold <laughs> October night? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, for me, do you know what? I The thing that baffled me, Luke Shaw is seemingly injured. Or if he's not injured, he's not 100%. So I don't really know why he's got him into the, into the squad. He might be all right, but fair enough. But he's only picked one um, left back, which is which is Shaw. Um I hate the fact that Trippier plays left-back. He looks very uncomfortable when he plays there. Always has to come inside when he wants to cross it. And when you've got 75-80% possession, that's not something you want. So, on the back of that, I'd put Aaron Cresswell in from West Ham. I think he's been I think he's been excellent this, this season. One for future. Yeah, who cares? I, I don't care if he's... What is he, 28? Something like that, 29? Um, so. I think he's the wrong side of 30 now, Cresswell. Is he? Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, who cares? He's got great delivery. Um, his crossing's fantastic. Is a decent player, so you know when you've got one left back and you're struggling for others, and it's a case of oh, do I put do I put a right back at left back because I've got 19 of them? No, just pick a left back and you say all right, who's out there? I'd pick Cresswell. Fair enough. Right, we're going to talk about a former England great now, Terry Butcher, who has called for football to phase out heading. Has he got a point? Could it damage the game irreparably? We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Final part of today's podcast, we're talking about Terry Butcher and his call for football to phase out heading to prevent catastrophic head injuries. We know that heading the ball in professional football does cause brain injuries. We've seen an increase of dementia in ex-players of a certain age, but could this potentially be a step too far? Terry Butcher says, in his words, football can do without heading. Do you agree, Steve? Is that just something that changes the game too much? Taking out the kind of the idea that it could save lives because that has to come foremost in any decision. But could you see football surviving or being as entertaining without the heading part of the game? Um, I don't agree with Terry Butcher. Um, I think there's there's measures we could potentially put in place, like you know maybe kind of not use utilizing it in training uh, sessions at, at the clubs. Um, but I think. In a match environment, when when you know it's a fast-paced Premier League or Champions League game, the ball comes up in the air and a player just backs away from it and lets it go past them because they don't want to head the ball. Absolutely, absolutely not. Um, I think you know if you're a striker, you know you could go multiple games without even heading the ball. Um, you know, obviously it's a bit different as a defender because the corners and free kicks are coming in, etc. Um, but I think in a in a game environment, um, you know, it should it should stay. Um, obviously, there's plenty of discussion around kids and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you know, my my oldest son, uh, Jim, is 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 um, uh, you know just a little bit younger than yours. He's seven. Um, you know, and he and you know when he's playing his matches in his league on a Sunday, he scored two headers this season. Um, and I think for me. Um, I've not got an issue with that. I think, you know, it's not... But you're so- a man that do, does fight sports. Yeah. So it must feel like a weird conversation for you to be having as yeah. someone who 
gets hit in the head for fun, you kind of go, well, what are you, what, what are you moaning about footballers? Yeah, I just think it's, it's you know, it's 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 not a, a solution to, to you know, take it out of the game. I think, you know, obviously there's risks in, in, in anything. There's risks in motorsport. There's risks in boxing. There's risks in... Um, Formula One, um, you know, there's 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 many different sports that people choose to pursue, and obviously get to a, an elite level in um, that, that carry risks in it, and that's you'll never kind of have a sport that hasn't got a risk in it. And unfortunately, you know, we just mentioned Harvey Elliott, obviously, you know, really serious injury a few weeks back against Leeds. Um, I mean, what we're going to say that players can't come next to each other in case something like that happens. You know what I mean? Um, I just think, yeah, it's keep it in the games, maybe kind of withdraw it from training, have a word and some reform on the grassroots level of it, you know, for our kids and stuff like that. Obviously, don't get kids, kids putting bloody 10, 20, 30 headers in in the training session, you know what I mean? Um, but I just think it's it's one of them, you know. I think they get, what there's got to be a bit of context behind it because I know that a lot of the ex-players are getting dementia and, and we've lost, you know, some to it, which is obviously very, very sad news and um heartbreaking but the the balls were very different then as well and you know if you're kind of playing with a you know like we talk about say nobby styles as an example the balls that nobby would have been playing with are very different to the bloody mitre deltas they're they're like medicine balls they're great big heavy wet things when they exactly rain on the pitch yeah and then you know you're talking about the old mitre deltas and stuff like that that we used to play with when we were playing our matches you know back in the day and they were heavy when you headed them, and you know when a cross come in. But I think these new Nike Premier League balls and the the Adidas, you know, balls that are used are, are very very light in comparison to what has gone before. And I just think we just need to be careful with it. Um, and I think we need to avoid any outlandish opinions on it, um, like taking it out of the game altogether, because um, you know I don't think that is uh, is helpful to football at all. It's important to have a conversation around this stuff. And there is research that shows that ex-footballers are three and a half times more likely to die of dementia. But you're right, Steve, there is a context behind that. The balls are very different then. And there is potentially Marley changes that can be made. The idea of uh, someone in a training scenario doing 20 high-velocity headers in one session is very different to playing an actual game. And you and I have tried a technology from a company based in Manchester called Rezzle, which is kind of VR football, ultimately. And players use it to train when they're injured. So it's kind of low-impact training. It gives them spatial awareness, gives them kind of the what it feels like to be in a training or game scenario without necessarily the impact. I guess there's that kind of technology solution that in a training scenario, you can still get that judgment for heading a ball that you could then take into practice on a real game. So... Is it is it kind of a case of yeah it's important to have this conversation but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater? Yeah, um, I think everything you two have just said is, is sort of sums up where I'm coming from it from. I think there's um, the technology is the biggest thing for me. It may, for me this this whole argument makes no sense in you know seventy seventy or eighty year old footballers and 60 year old footballers saying you know what I got dementia because I was heading a ball and you say alright show me the ball you were playing with and it's some leather heavy as hell covered in mud thing and it's like it probably weighs like 2 kilos but at the same time we don't know what's going to happen in 30 years we don't know whether the players of today or the players that are currently kind of at the end of their careers yeah, how they're going to react how in 30 does, years you know if, if you know a 19 year old footballer 
or a 25-year-old footballer retired now um, or didn't play football at all, there's still a chance of them getting dementia because it just it can hit anyone at any time. It's not always caused by something. Some people are just unlucky and just get it. It's it's not always attributed to certain things. So, you know, so somebody could retire now at 18 thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to get dementia when I'm older, get to 58, 59, 60, and then be hit with dementia anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can't, everything hasn't got an exact cause. You know, you could be, it's just, it's a very small chance. And with the technology advances in the last 20 years, it's insane. It's 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 not the same sport almost because everything's different. The balls are lighter, the pitches are quicker, um, they come through the air different. Um, everything preparation players probably prepare better. They're in better physical shape um, and all the rest of it. So it's probably more equipped to deal with um, heading and and other sort of aspects of the game. And you know, there's there's a million ways you can get injured on a football pitch that could end your career. Um, and you know it's not it's i just don't think it's something you can you can worry about too much because if you worry about it too much then eventually it's gonna affect you um and i don't think that's uh something we should we should cut out the game maybe in in you know young kids training sessions there's no need for them to head the ball and uh, and also like you're talking about your your kids there jim and and so is uh steve but it even works from a coaching perspective. You don't want kids heading the ball too much because that sort of teaches them to lump the ball up to, to the biggest kid who, who grows first. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's it. Surely it's a bit. Is this going to turn a into coach. a rant about Burnley again? Marley? It's getting, it's getting pretty <laughs> close, mate. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want 11 Sean Deitches uh, coming through your youth, <laughs> youth academy, do you? So it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like, like that, you know, um, so it, there's a coaching advantage to it, and when you get to you know eighteen, nineteen, you're in you're in proper youth academies, then you can worry about it and and start heading the ball or whatever. But yeah, it's it's the whole thing for me is is not something that we should take too drastic action over because as soon as you open that kind of worms, then you know you look at boxing and say, well, why are these two just punching each other in the head for forty five minutes? It's it's a bizarre sport and so is UFC and so is everything else so it's um it's daft undoubtedly it is a serious issue but I think there's a healthy dose of emotion in Terry Butcher's comments I imagine if you're at a situation where you're seeing your former colleagues and friends getting sick and becoming injured it's going to cloud your opinion slightly so it's good he's brought it to the table but maybe his suggestions take it a little bit too far that is it for today's football social daily don't forget if you want to look ahead to the weekend's action you can get the dugout which is our new show where Niall sits down with a couple of former pros and discusses the weekend's action that'll be out in a few hours well it depends when you listen to this podcast in a few hours from now depending if you're listening to it on a kind of Friday morning but it comes out Friday afternoon make sure you check it out that is it for today Steve Marley thank you very much Cheers, guys. Cheers, lads. We'll see you next time for another Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.